Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So there are a lot of amazing spirited kids coming into the world these days, as a lot of you parents are aware of. So today I want to talk about how do you help them keep that spirit, that connection to who they truly are, while still helping them learn how to be respectful, responsible, and cooperative was also guiding them and teaching them how to be respectful and responsible. So this past week, I put out a post on the Instagram account, that's Your Village Online, and I shared about parental expectations that got that resonated with a lot of parents. I shared a short list of some of the expectations I have for my kids and another short list of expectations I don't have for my kids. So kids are quite amazing. They really want to be responsible and independent. And when we roll this out in a way that speaks to their drive for autonomy, the level of independence and maturity of self-awareness at young ages can be quite astounding. Allowing our kids opportunities to develop this is such a gift to them. We can start this at the earliest ages and guide them all the way through. 
So today I'm going to talk about these, about these expectations, why I think this environment is so powerful and important for kids growing up today. Then I'll talk about how we can begin to create an environment in our homes that embodies this spirit. And then I'll likely do end up doing more than one episode about this because this is a big topic. We can really dig in further because it's a process that we're going to go through as they age. So about a month or two ago, I did an episode on breaking cycles. I listed 10 cycles parents can break for their kids, ones that we have likely been through, I know I have, that I'm working on breaking for myself, that I'm working on breaking with my children, and that you can too. I've talked about some of them in more depth, such as shame, codependence, allowing emotions versus trying to stifle them. And this episode, these expectations I have versus the ones I don't have for my kids are about breaking the cycle of kids trying to live up to the expectations of others, of other ideas of who they are supposed to be versus connecting with who they know that they truly are and feeling empowered to follow this inner guidance. Because I get amazing emails all the time from parents about their toddler, their amazing personality, so full of life and ideas, but parents are looking for some help to set some boundaries and expectations while still allowing their big personalities and interests to shine through. So this is exactly what we're going to get into. And this is where parenting can be really fun, allowing our children to shine, but also shaping expectations that allow them to understand where and how to best use these strengths in positive ways, how to focus them. So in the post, the list of expectations from my children, I'm going to go through this list and then I'm going to dig in deeper. The first one was do your best. The second was be respectful. Number three, take responsibility for your choices and their outcomes. And the fourth was about independence, meaning doing for yourself anything you're capable of. Even if you think you can't do it, give it a shot before coming and asking for help. On the other side, the expectations I don't have for my children revolve around people-pleasing, succumbing to pressures outside of themselves in ways that feel uncomfortable or contrary to their core values, their personal safety and well-being, or to their goals and dreams. Now, this can be a tough thing to navigate and to balance. It's nuanced in the way that we may feel about it, in the way we communicate it to our children. So I want to break this down. So behind everything I do as a parent, there is a deep why. These are things I spend a lot of time thinking about. What I want for my kids, what wisdom I want to impart, or at least start to impart, that took me way later to learn in life that I don't want them to struggle with. The simplest explanation is always to give my children skills and knowledge that I feel gives them the best opportunity at living a happy, authentic life. Here's why I feel this is the environment that will empower kids to live happier, more successful lives. Our families, our communities, and society as a whole will shape us for better or for worse. Now, there's a lot of conflicting and even damaging messages that we pick up throughout our lifetimes. As I've already shared in previous episodes, I've talked about shame and shame resilience, talked about codependence, coming up against those messages about what a relationship is supposed to look like that may not really be so healthy. And there's many more beyond that that I'm going to get into in future episodes. Some of the messages I got growing up, and I got some positive ones too, but these are just to share the things that shape me in a negative way. The detrimental ones that I feel really affected my ability to follow my own path to happiness. I went to college before I was really ready, before I had a chance to figure out what excited me, who I was, what I wanted. I majored in something I hated 
and I therefore had a career I despised. I was miserable. I was in computer programming. I could go on and on about some of these paths that I took that I thought I was supposed to take. There were so many expectations at every turn, and there was little to no room for me to explore or figure out what was important to me, what I liked, what was interesting, what, drove, what brought me joy, or what I wanted my life to look like. And I had no idea how to do this. It took me a very long time to figure out how to even start. So I believe we all come into this life having a strong internal sense of who we are, what we want to learn, what brings us joy, and what our innate gifts and talents are. But oftentimes life will beat us down. These messages will beat us down before we ever have a chance to explore it or think about it or know this is even an option. We're told to stop dreaming. We're told you can never make money doing that, so stop being silly and start being practical. If you don't think about that or you haven't for a while, you may want to take some time to think about it. We often don't because it can be painful. What if we had taken the road less traveled? What did you want to try as a kid that you weren't allowed to or you didn't get the support to explore? Sometimes it's money related and I can understand that I went through that too. There were things I wanted to do but my parents said they didn't have the money. But outside of that, there's still messages we often get about stop dreaming and stop being silly. Was there a career you dreamt about? or one you didn't even dare to dream about or bring up out of fear of feeling discounted at best and shamed at worst. I want my kids to have a very different experience. I don't want them to ever feel pressured to take a big life step because of pressure or an expectation that comes from outside of them and especially not from me. I want them to feel empowered to share their interests and their goals and know that I will do everything in my power to help them explore any and every opportunity. Their path forward should be driven from their own guidance. However, in order to take advantage of these opportunities, there is a level of awareness, maturity, and emotional intelligence that our kids will need in order to take full advantage of these. So this is why starting early in their lives as toddlers, getting a solid hold on healthy relationship dynamics, healthy boundaries, and expectations was so important to me. And it really all starts right there. I needed my kids to know I love them deeply and want the best for them. And this is why I set expectations around behavior and self-reliance and respectful communication. Once this is established, you have the springboard to help catapult your kids towards their potential. So I think the easiest way to discuss the importance and the spirit of creating this environment is by going through the list. Then I'm going to share the ways I have gone about creating this in our home since their youngest days until now. So the first one is do your best. Each of my kids will be different in different areas. For example, in academics, one child easily gets great grades, where another might struggle in one or more subjects. In future episodes, I'm going to discuss supporting kids in education to maximize their experience and their potential based on their learning styles, their talents, their gifts, because this is an important piece to this too, because this will in turn increase their ability to do their best. If they're given the opportunity, they can do their best. So I'm working on getting some really amazing guests to come and speak on this subject. But for now, I just want to help parents understand the difference between holding every child to the same standard of straight A's versus do your best as an individual. A child who just doesn't get math and they struggle may be thrilled to get a B after pulling out all the stops. This empowers them to set up the standard of excellence that feels best 
for them rather than feeling like they just aren't good enough, like they're never going to measure up or smart enough because no matter, no matter how hard they try, they're not going to get there. They need to have their own internal compass and we help guide them with that to set up a good standard because this is at a cost that's far too high when their talent really lies in design or reading or speaking or whatever. Do your best in every endeavor, in school, cleaning up your room, putting your toys away, getting ready for bed, listening the first time, working things out with a sibling or a friend, practicing your music at a sports practice or a game. Now, what's also so great about this is that it teaches kids how to self-evaluate, which is such an important life skill. And it's so empowering. How do we self-evaluate realistically? Do your best. And that might look different on one day than another. So I'll cover ways to implement this in your home, along with the reasoning and importance of the other expectations and some guidance for implementing them right after a word from our sponsors. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at get 
puroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, let's get into the ways that you can implement this in your home. Do your best along with the reasoning and importance of the other expectations and some guidance for implementing those too. So first, with do your best, this is how we approach anything they do. We want to use descriptive praise instead of evaluative praise. There are so many benefits to this. Self-esteem, self-evaluation, it lets kids know it's their effort and the process, not the outcome that is important, that their judgment of their performance or their process is what matters, not other people's. It helps them with the beginning of a growth mindset to keep trying to problem solve if something isn't working rather than giving up. Now, I've talked about this in a lot of past episodes, but it's, I haven't talked about it in a while. So for a refresher or a reminder, if you haven't heard it in a while or for anyone new, evaluative praise is where we evaluate their performance. It's a judgment. There's a judgment attached to it. Descriptive praise is a description followed by a label. So this is what it sounds like. Evaluative praise is things like, that drawing is so pretty. Great job using so many colors. You got an A on the test. I'm so proud of you. You're doing a good job cleaning up. That makes me happy. So on that one, not only are we giving an evaluation, we're now putting our emotions onto our child on top of it. So I wanted to throw that one in there just to to give that as an example. Descriptive praise is you used three different shades of yellow and orange in the flowers. That's very creative. You worked really hard to be ready for the test and it shows. That was very responsible. You can even ask them, how does it feel? Because you want to get them excited, have them feel proud of their effort, help them take ownership of their hard work and connect the work with the improvement that they've made with feeling more confident during a test. Thank you for cleaning up the first time I asked. That was very helpful. Descriptive praise describes the behavior and labels it. The label meaning it's a description of the behavior helpful, creative, responsible, independent. This helps them take this on as their personality, understanding that I am independent, I am helpful. And when they feel that they are helpful and independent and responsible, they will do more behaviors that are helpful, independent, and responsible. If you want to know more, I cover this in deeper detail in the two self-esteem classes, the one for zero to five and one five to up goes all the way through the teenage years, as well as the focus on the positive class. Those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. So another way to help your kids remember to do their best is by simply talking about it anytime there's an opportunity. If they feel bad about how they did, if they thought they could do better, invite them to share about that and what they think they could do better next time to get the result that they felt they were capable of. If you feel they fell short, talk about that. All I expect is for you to do your best. How do you feel you did? Now, I used to use this all the time with my kids cleaning up their rooms. It's just a really simple example to use, and it's really clear cut. So I would ask them on a scale of one to 10, how clean is your room? This is after they would clean it. So I'd ask before they clean it, and then I would ask after they clean it. Now, invariably, they would usually give a 10, and I would usually give it something like an eight, and then I would tell them why. So I would tell them first the parts they did well. Great job picking up all your clothes. Great job putting the dirty clothes in the laundry. Great job putting all the stuff off your dresser. But then I would point out the things they missed that would make it a 10, some trash on the floor that they missed, a few books. So they learned to self-evaluate their work realistically. 
So these are just a few ways to get you started with helping your kids to learn how to do their best and how to self-evaluate and keep pushing to that next level. The next one is be respectful. Now, this one is really important to me because when you teach your kids their wants, their desires, their needs actually matter, which is important, and you make room for them to voice them, there's a real balancing act. It doesn't mean they get to do whatever they want whenever they want to and just go chasing pleasure in some overindulged, entitled manner. So I have a real solid expectations around things that help them grow up healthy, balanced, and emotionally competent. The idea of junk food for a snack or staying up late may sound joyful and fun, but as an adult, I know full well the long-term effects of these habits. So when I say no to such things or set a boundary or they disagree with my assessment, I expect any attempt at a dialogue around any disagreement to be engaged in respectfully. And I expect the same from them with anyone else, whether it's with a teacher or a coach or anything else. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to question. It's okay to want to present your case and your reasons. It's never okay to be rude or disrespectful when doing so, whether it's with me or a teacher or a coach or anyone else. Now, this is a process. It starts with us being respectful and modeling respect in our communication with them about what we need, what we would like, what we expect from them, and setting boundaries respectfully, firm but kind. Now, this is where the foundation of positive discipline is so important because it gives us the tools to set the tone for how we relate to each other respectfully. It gives us the tools to be able to set these boundaries, to be able to tell them what we want, to have go-to actions and steps for shaping this behavior and helping them learn this behavior so that we're not flailing around going, they're not understanding, they're not doing what I'm asking, I don't understand why I'm talking respectfully, but they're just ignoring me. Having those boundaries with positive discipline will fix those types of issues. Another way we set up expectations around respect is to set the precedent that feelings, disagreements, questions are all welcomed but we want to correct disrespectful tones and language when it occurs. We can set up these expectations from the earliest days. Now this will look different at each age, of course. We will have different expectations at each age because it's a process and it's an unfolding. They will forget a lot at two and three and even four. And you may not even get a great result in the beginning when you try to remind them. So at these young ages, you're gonna go for progress not perfection. So things like whining, the whining tone, the complaining, we're going to go for improvement. When we show them how to improve their whine, how to improve the complaining and make that different, we're going to give examples for them to repeat, have them repeat it so they can practice getting a better tone to know what it looks like. And so that they are building the neurological connections to know how to ask in a nicer tone. You may not get a really nice tone in the beginning. It may still have some whine to it. It may still sound a little complainy, but you don't want to keep doing it over and over until they get it perfect. So we're just going to have them get better, have a better tone before we respond to a request of theirs. Just go for some progress and you're going to work on that over some time and it will get better pretty quickly. Now, when it comes to demanding, a demanding tone in language, we want to curb that. We want to nip that in the bud. I would never respond until they got that completely fixed. Otherwise, I was just teaching them it's okay to get demanding and that it will get a result. So I have no, a no tolerance policy for demanding tone or language. As they get older, five, six, and beyond, we can then expect them to fix the whining and the complaining completely before we respond to any requests. But we're going to give them some leeway when they're younger. So we allow feelings, the questions, the disagreements first. I hear that you're having strong feelings about wanting to quit swimming. 
I am always open to discuss it, but I'm not okay with the way you're talking to me right now. I can't talk about this with you unless you can talk to me with a much more respectful tone. Then I'll give an example of what to say and how with the tone. Hey mama, I'm not liking swim practice anymore. It's so boring. I'd really like to talk about quitting and doing something else instead. And then I would have them practice it, say it back to me. And then we could have a dialogue about it. Now, if there are other stipulations, like in our house, we have stipulations and my kids know what they are. These are no complaining the minute it's time to get ready for said activity. That was often the thing. It's time to get ready for swim. They start complaining. I don't like it. I don't want to go. Well, at that point, I don't know if it's just because they don't want to stop what they're doing or they really don't like the sport. So I told, I've always told them, come to me outside of when it's time to get ready for swim and let's have a talk about it. The second one is when it comes to sports or physical activity, they have to do some physical activity, but I don't care what it is. So come to me with an alternative. Then I know they've really thought about it. The next expectation I have is take responsibility for your choices and outcomes. And this really falls in line with teaching kids how to feel empowered rather than falling into victimhood. And this was a cycle for me that I had to break for myself in my 20s. I want my kids to understand this early in life so they can understand how to take responsibility for where they are and understand that where they are and how they got there, that they have the power to course correct their own life path. Because this is very empowering. Like we can't change our life unless we can take responsibility for our choices and outcomes. If we don't take responsibility, everything is everyone else's fault. Everything is stuff that just happens to us. We're powerless. I don't want my kids to feel powerless. I want them to feel powerful. So this is one I worked on for a while with our oldest. He really struggled with this one for a while. And one of his go-to phrases for a while, bring me between them around the ages of eight to 10. It's not my fault. Whatever it was, it was not my fault. For example, he left something out and the dog got into it and ruined it. So when he takes responsibility for his choices and the outcomes of the choice, he gets to have the power over how he behaves next time. Therefore, he gets to evoke a different outcome. And I love this one for myself and for my kids. So I'm gonna share more about how I worked with him on this. The good news is I haven't heard him use this phrase in a very long time. Every time he got into the mindset, I would bring it to his attention. I would ask about his choice. What choice did you make? I would remind him of the outcomes. I would ask what different choice he could make the next time. And he would often skirt around it and still not take responsibility. And I would explain this exact concept that the sooner he can acknowledge the choice he made and learn to make a different choice the next time, the sooner he can feel more power and in control of the way things will turn out for him. And it did take some coaching. It took some time, took a few years, got better over time, and then it was just gone. But he did get it. And like I said, I haven't heard him say this in years. There's a lot of power in understanding how our choices get us where we are. Now, of course, there's outside circumstances. Understanding how to take responsibility for things that were our part and things that weren't. And so that we can change the things that are within our control. With a broken toy, with grades, with sports, with hobbies, with music, Any scenario you can think of with your child where they get upset because of an outcome or they just want a better result, you're going to coach them on it. You're going to coach them about effort and outcome. You're going to coach them about choices and outcomes. So as the kids swim coach used to say, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. We want to teach them that just doing something may not get the result they want. 
Like doing something over and over, if you're doing it wrong or not doing it correctly, you're just gonna get more doing it wrong or doing it incorrectly. But constantly focusing on improving, whatever it is, their tennis swing. So if they keep swinging at the ball and they're still doing it the same way, doing it a lot isn't gonna make them any better. They actually have to improve it. They have to focus on it. So you wanna teach them that, how that they need to really focus and improve their effort. Help them come up with what they can do differently to work towards the goals and results they would like to see. So a really great class for this is the growth mindset class. This teaches them how to take responsibility, how to problem solve, how to go back and try again if they don't get the result they wanted the first time. Okay, that didn't quite work. What else can I try? What can I add to it? What can I do differently? What can I do better to get the result I want and not give up and not walk away? Okay. I am not going to have time to get into the expectations that I don't have for my kids, which I expected. So why I have those and how to set up those mindsets, how to give kids power to protect themselves, advocate for their needs and wishes while still raising respectful, self-motivated kids. So we'll do that in two episodes from now, because next week I have a great guest coming on who is going to talk about the importance of, and some great tips for raising emotionally competent, intelligent kids. But I want to cover the last expectation I shared in the post, and that is around building independence. I expect my kids to do for themselves anything they can. If they think they can't do it, then I want them to evaluate. Can I get started on my own? If so, how far can I go before I need help? And then ask for an adult to be ready to step in when they get to that point. What exactly do I need help with? Rather than just expecting someone to come in and do the whole task because... I can't do the whole thing, so just do it for me. Can I get out the ingredients and the pan, but have mom and dad actually cook the quesadilla? Or do I need help getting started with a task or a project? And at what point can I take on the rest of the project myself? If I need mom or dad to get a few things at the store and they bring them home, can I then create or build the rest of my idea on my own? Or do I need a little help getting started and then I can take over? Setting this expectation up early with getting dressed, morning routines, putting dirty clothes in the hamper, cleaning up their dishes after meals, helping put things on the table like ketchup or pickles, sets an expectation of cooperation. It builds self-esteem because they feel included, needed, helpful. So it builds this idea of I'm needed, I'm helpful, I contribute to my family, and most importantly, I am capable. Giving children opportunities to do for themselves builds their strength and their understanding and their self-confidence in the fact that they are capable human beings. So as they grow up, they get more confident. They're willing and to try more new opportunities because they're feeling confident in their capabilities to grow their skills and independence and self-confidence. So these are really important building blocks to the level of self-confidence in their abilities they will need when it comes to finding and building much more difficult things, getting through college if that's the path they choose any career that they decide to go into based on their interests and strengths, the resilience, the problem solving, the growth mindset to go back and try again to the drawing board if something isn't working. They will need this to overcome some of the obstacles on the way to building a fulfilling life, fulfilling careers and relationships. So if you want to dig deeper into descriptive praise, other ways of supporting healthy self-esteem, you can see either the two self-esteem classes for empowering kids to become independent, self-motivated problem solvers, raising responsible kids and teaching a growth mindset, and of course the positive discipline classes for building this foundation before you even leap off into some of this stuff is really imperative. 
So you can find those, all the 60 classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.